0: Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Hey everyone, welcome again to Steady and Establish a new part in our series that we are talking about this next little while. If you are part of our church family, it's great that you are joining with us today. If you are maybe new to the city church, thank you for coming and tuning in as well. It's great to have you with us today. Um, I mentioned last week the reason that we're recording here at the church and the youth area is because. I don't think that our dogs could actually go a half hour without barking in the background. Even if we locked them away, they'd be crying out from the other room where we imprisoned them. Um, And I do think our our dogs are actually getting a little bit tired of us as well, being around all of the time. I feel like they're just staring at us a lot. I, I, I feel like they're used to us being gone a little bit, but now they're starting to stare at us and I don't know exactly what it means. At least I know they're happy to see us. I'm like a cat a cat, you never know what they're thinking, they're kind of staring at you, they might love you, they might want to kill you, but at least with dogs, you know, you're getting their affection most of the time. Anyway, uh, like I said, we are have a new part in our series today, so let's lean in together. If you, you're at home there, grab a paper Bible, let's follow along, and let's learn some things from the Word of God. And, and like I've been saying in this series, that we are living in interesting, unprecedented times, as you know that so many things have changed for us and it could unsettle us. And that's why we are digging into the Word of God in this series so that we actually can be steady in our lives, that we can be established in the love of God, in the Word of God, in the principles from the Scripture, so that whatever comes in the future and whatever we're facing now, we actually can be steady and established in this moment in our lives. So if you've ever um, followed any history, you read any history, you know that the world has changed um, in so many different ways in the past. And you can learn from wars and how borders have changed and how countries have changed. And we are actually living in one of those historical moments that we'll look back at this time, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, and there will be so many changes that have taken place because of this moment that the world is changing around us. But in the midst of all of that change, once again, we can be established in the things of God. Um, you know, as we've uh, faced some changes, we know that uh, there's been you know, some of our things that we're used to doing, we can't do anymore, we can't shop as much as we wanted to, we can't travel right now. Um, How we work has basically been moved moved to a bunch of Zoom meetings and, you know, we can't watch any new sports, which is a big problem for me right now. And so all of these things have changed for our life. And like I mentioned at Easter, that Jesus is the center of our faith. But what we want to look at in, in this series What does Jesus provide for me in my life so that I can be steady and established in a world that is shifting and changing all of the time? And we do say that this time is unprecedented, but really there is a precedent that we can see in the Scripture, that the Scripture over and over again, um, people were facing exiles and imprisonments and plagues and droughts and um, living in occupied territories and natural disasters, that their life existed a certain way, and then their life soon after or the next day was changed forever. And then we can see their response. We can see that the things... um, the principles from the scripture that they held on to that were strong for them in those moments. And that's what we're looking at in this series. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So the scripture has a, has a great thought for us that, um, that what we see all around us is temporary. In other words, it is changeable that the, the things that we see with our physical eyes, they are on a constant trajectory of change. But there is unseen things that are eternal or those things that are steady. And that's what we want to gather um as we look through the scriptures, gather some thoughts from the scripture, and grab onto those unchangeable, unseen, eternal things. Because the temporary things are always changing, so we can't grab onto those, because those are going to shift around, so we want to find those eternal principles from the scripture. So, so far in this series, we've looked at the love of God, that that is our foundation, and then also the foundation of godly actions based on the teachings of Jesus. So all of these things um, that have shifted for us, and it'll be different things for different people or certain things that we used to do or have the ability to do all of the the time and that we can't do, our freedoms are limited in this moment. The question is for us, as I've been thinking about all of these things, is it possible that we love some of those things too much? Did they have too much of our affection and attention and money? And were we... um, Because we just had so many options, and we had so many freedoms, we could do so many things. Could some of these things just had our love? Could we have loved these things? And this was one of the things that we see over and over again in the Scripture, that the children of Israel had misplaced love many times, and it would say about them in the Old Testament that they would end up worshiping other gods. And this was a big deal that we would see over and over again in the Old Testament. This idea of idol worship. Now I know in 2020 we think we're very sophisticated and very educated and we would never actually worship any idols or something that we would carve out and we would worship this somehow as God but I just think we do it in subtle, different other ways, as we'll look at here in a second. Now, there was a time here in the book of 1 Samuel, um, chapter 24, that the children of Israel actually faced a plague. And, and in a very short period of time, 70,000 people had died. And David, who's king, um, wanted to build an altar to God so that he could worship and, and to stem the tide of the plague. And this is what they were desiring to do. And there was this guy named Aruna, and the scripture says Aruna the Jebusite, and he had this threshing floor, and J, uh, David wanted to buy Aruna's threshing floor to build an altar to worship God. That this was something that we see over and over again. That we're going to build an altar, we're going to worship God. If we're going to move somewhere, we're going to build an altar, we're going to worship God. That this was just a basic standard principle for them. That they were just going to worship God. And it became very systematized for them in the Old Testament. It became very ceremonial. But once again, the practice, the thought, the heart of worship is a very good thought. And so he david was negotiating with aruna about for his threshing floor and he was telling him that he was going to build an altar to god and aruna basically said to him hey i'm going to give this to you for free." Obviously, you're going to use it for something for God. And so, I'll provide this for you for free. And then also, I can provide the animals for the sacrifice for you. It won't cost you anything because what you are wanting to do, you're wanting to set up an altar to worship God. I want to help with these things. But we see here David's response to that in 1 Samuel 24, verse 24. And it says this, And the king said to Aruna, No, I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and the peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. So David's heart in all of this was to honor God, to worship God this was his response in this middle, the middle of this unsettled time when all of these people were dying. David's response was, you know what? I actually need to worship God in this moment. That this was something that he knew was a steady place. But it also was something that I just think is really interesting. It was, to him, there was value in worshiping God. That I'm not going to offer something to God that costs me nothing. This is what he said to Aruna." that there is value in worshiping God. And worship is always something that we should turn to God with at the point of need, at the point of difficulty, at the point of struggle, that we should always be turning to worship God, to be honoring God in our lives. And like I said, the children of Israel, as you follow through the Old Testament, this was one of the struggles that they had. They would worship God for a while, and then it said they would follow after other gods, and then they would find themselves in a mess by worshiping created things or worshiping other gods, small g. And just this pattern, this repeated pattern over and over again, and we find ourselves in this same pattern sometimes that the thing for us that isn't the ultimate thing and the most valuable thing, we end up giving all of our affection, all of our attention to, and until sometimes those things aren't available for us, like all the things that I mentioned, shopping and travel and sports, we realize how much affection that I was setting into those things, and really the only thing worth worshiping is God. So when we have been disrupted and we find a difficult time, we should always fall back on the posture of worship. It is a steady place. Now, when we see in the Old Testament it, the uh, Ten Commandments found in Exodus chapter 20, what's really interesting about the Ten Commandments, the first four of them all deal with our, um, with our posture or an ordered, a properly ordered relationship with God. They are, you'll have no other gods before me, Uh, you'll have no graven images, you shouldn't bow down to serve other gods, and you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Now, like we talked about last week, how Jesus helped us to read the scripture and read the commandments, and to see the precept behind the principle, to to understand what the heart of God was in this moment— and what the idea is between these first four commandments, what the idea is embedded in here is we need to have a properly ordered relationship with God. That we shouldn't worship any other thing except from God. That this is a steady place to be when, what, when our affections are what becomes ultimate to us in life. Is something else, there's a problem then for us in our relationship with God. So worship, in in some simple terms, really just means giving glory to God, giving God his proper place in our lives. And the only proper place for God is the center of our lives. He, He is our creator, he's our savior, he's our redeemer, he's our Lord, he's all of these things. And so the only proper place for him and our affection towards him is at the center of our lives. So we're giving glory to God through worship and worship really just comes from an English word. It means worth ship. It means what, um, what is the most worthy thing in my life? Worth-ship. I just want to make sure that I say that correctly. S-H-I-P. Worthship. And it is what, what do we in our lives give the ultimate worth? What, is, what has the highest place in my life? Um, and so, and what worship also does for me, it places myself and my affections in the proper context in my relationship with God. Because we can always get disordered affections that we can just go through life, even though we say we serve Jesus. And yes, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower, and I want to follow after God. But our affections can wane, or our, our affections can move to other things in our lives. And when we also think about worship, it really is one of the foundations of being a human. And the reality is this, that everybody worships, but not everybody worships God. Every human on the planet is worshiping something. What is the ultimate thing? And, and for people that don't believe in God or, or God as, as we would describe, they also worship something. They also have something at the highest place in their, in their lives. And that's what worship is all about. Everybody actually worships. And the question is for us, do we actually have God at the, center p- at the centerpiece? In that ultimate spot. Um, and, and that we would have our eyes and our heart set on him. Now, like I said, you know, we we would look at sometimes at the children of Israel, and sometimes they would do foolish things. We know um, when Moses was getting the Ten Commandments, they were down at the bottom of the mountain, and they were building a golden calf. They threw all of their jewelry together, they melted it down, and they built a, a golden calf, very famous story. And this was an idol that they had created for themselves. And this idol, they were saying, was their new God, their ultimate thing. Now, we might look at the story and think, well, that's foolish. I would never build something and say that that is God. But the reality is everything that is created that we give our heart and attention to becomes functionally our God. It becomes the ultimate thing in our lives. So we can look at them and say, man, I would never build a golden calf. But anything that's created in our lives, which is everything except God, that gets our affection or has the centerpiece of our life, it's disordered. And it becomes an unsteady foundation. So this is why the worship of God is such an important thing, because it is a steady foundation for our lives. Now we maybe don't build things, or, but we might worship technology. But one of the things that we famously worship right now is ourselves. That it's uh, the big problem is the big I, is the big me. And this is what people struggle with um, so many times nowadays is they they say phrases like this, that something happens and then uh, I don't understand. I can't figure it out. I don't see how this works. My thinking, my emotions, my offense quotient What is the thing that really offends me? And I'm just going to let everybody know because that's the thing that I have most affection for, what bothers my thinking and my emotions. And then we post about it online and then we're upset at everybody who doesn't think like me. And ultimately, me becomes the center of my life. And this is a disordered way to live our lives. This was the whole point of the first Ten Commandments, that we actually don't place ourselves at the center of our lives, the center of our affection. We keep God there because he is the creator. He is the Lord of our lives. Because ultimately, our understanding is a created thing. The fact that we have consciousness and we're able to learn and to think about things and if you've ever, if you've ever learned anything um, in a certain field and you, and you start learning and you, and you learn from others who are experts in the fields, you realize how limited your knowledge is and even if you become an expert in one area, there are thousands of areas that we have no idea about. And so, once again, our consciousness, or the fact that I can think, is a created thing. So, what's is a, it's a me, that's the I. We, we can't worship me, we can't worship ourselves, we can't worship our thoughts, we can't worship our emotions, and this is a created thing, just like a golden calf. Now, when we think about different uh, approaches of learning, somebody said it like this, That the Greeks approach God to be understood, but the Jews approach God to be worshipped. And just this posture of worship first helps you to understand down the road. But if you just think, well, I need to understand, then you actually limit yourselves as it relates to understanding because we don't come with the right posture but just having this posture of, you know what, God, I'm going to worship you. Even when I don't understand some things about life, or I don't understand some things about the Word of God, I'm going to have this posture, this heart of worship. It is how we are created to be. Psalm 33 verse 1 says this, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise Him. In other words, it is the right thing to do. It should be the posture of our lives. And worship will steady us. Because our affections can, can be spread out with so many different things. And when our affection is on one thing, something that's changeable or temporal, and then that thing goes away, our life can be unsteady. But this is why worship is so important, just this posture, this heart attitude. It is fitting for the upright to praise him is how we should live our lives. Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, very uh, famous uh, interaction in the New Testament, talking about the Old Testament. they, They wanted to get his opinion on the Old Testament. Matthew 22 verse 34 says this, But when the Pharisees heard that he silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? So Jesus, as you look at the Old Testament, the law, that's what they're referring to. What is the greatest thing that we would see in there? And Jesus' first answer, as we all know, and Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, this is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets, which Jesus would be referring to as the whole of the Old Testament. Here's these two principles, these two ideas that we see continuously through the Old Covenant. What is it? Number one, you love God. And how do you love them? You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Another one of the versions says, and then with all of your strength. So in other words, all of who you are, this is the first and most important thing. And then from this place, we can love other people. And so what is that place that Jesus is describing? It is the place of worship. That I'm placing... um, The the center of my affection, the center of my life is God. He is the ultimate thing in my life, not what I think or not what I feel in this moment. That I don't have my affection on on anything, The, the highest affection, the greatest affection of my life is only on God. I'm centering my life on Him and this is a steady place. Having my affection on anything else, having anything else that's the center of my life, it's temporal, it's changeable, but God never changes. So to have my affection on Him, it is unseen, it is eternal, and it is strong. Psalm 95, verse 1 says this Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. And this is something that we incorporate into every one of our services, including our online services, is just this idea of singing to God, artistically expressing our love to God. And we all know that this is true. There's just something that happens for us. You know, we could read the lyrics of a song, but then when we actually sing them, it brings on a whole new meaning, a whole new um, different emotional experience when we sing to God. And this is why we sing to God. To express our love and our affection. Make a joyful noise. And that's what some of us sound like when we sing, including me. It's kind of noisy. It's not great. You don't necessarily want to listen to it. But God loves it. Because why? It's coming from the heart. So for those of us that can't sing melodiously and wonderfully, we can actually make a joyful noise to the Lord. And this is something that I recommend. It's so great when we can gather together physically but also online. But this is something that we should be doing all of the time singing to God, worshiping God, uh, making melody in our hearts to Him. Verse 2, let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Here's another big part of worship, but just coming to thank God, our Creator, our Lord, our Savior, to thank Him for who He is to us. See, because everything else is shifting and changing, but God is steady. So we can be thanking God for his goodness. Thanking God for what he provides for us. What he gives to us all of the time. And if we're thanking God, we don't have a lot of time for complaining. It's kind of the opposite. It's the antithesis, the antithesis of thanksgiving. What is it? It's just complaining. It's not thankful for anything. Well, this is bad, and this is bad, and this is not going good, and this is a struggle. But the opposite of that is reminding ourselves right now, what can I be thankful for? What can I thank God for in this moment? And what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Man, that's what we need to do. Find some of our favorite songs, songs of praise. Sing those things in our homes, in our cars. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods, small g. And that's an important differentiation. Small g, God, means a created thing. It's not God the creator. It's not the king of kings and the lord of lords. And so what are we we doing? We're reminding ourselves that he is great above everything, all created things. He is God. And in his hand are the depths of the earth. The height of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land such an important thought, just this idea God the creator. I know right now uh, we get the National Geographic channel for free. I guess they're being charitable to us um, <laughs> during isolation. And just this, this one show I was watching about the earth and how amazing the earth is. And how when we think about the created thing that, that the earth is, we should just be more and more amazed about who God is. That God created all that we see and we should be reminding ourselves that he is the one that deserves our affection not the things that are created or the things that we can see around us verse 6 oh come let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the lord our maker and that's just another thought about the posture of worship that we are realizing that god is greater than us god is greater than i and my thoughts, and my emotions, and all that I'm going through, and all the struggles that I feel, that God has the ultimate place. And so what is the, bowing down, what does that mean? Just realizing that God is greater than me. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. So this is the God we worship. When we think about worshiping And having God at the ultimate place in our lives, we realize this about Him that we are His people, the sheep of His hand, that He's actually taking care of us. And this is what worship reminds us of. Complaining does the opposite. We think everything's bad and it's getting worse. But when we worship, we are reminding ourselves that this is who God is. We are the people of His pasture. That he's leading us and God is in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the difficulty. The sheep of his hand, and this is what we know from the scripture, that God cares about his sheep. And worship reminds us of all of these things. Jesus had a conversation with um, the woman at the well. in, In this very famous story, there's a portion of the conversation that they get into that's all about worship. And she says this to Jesus. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet after Jesus explained everything to her about her past. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So she's wanting to have some sort of discussion or some sort of um, debate about the exteriors of worship. We worship over here and we worship over here and, and What is the best place or what is the the best physical thing to do as it relates to worship? And people, you know, argue about this today, worship styles. What type of songs? Is it new songs? Is it choruses? Is it hymns? How old does the song have to be or how new does the song have to be? Is is it uh, the, the style that we use or the style some other churches use and people want to debate and argue these things? But listen to what Jesus says. Verse 21, Jesus said to her, And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. What does this mean? What is Jesus talking about? Because it's not these other things. It's not these physical. It's not this mountain or it's not that mountain or it's not this style. Jesus gets right down to the heart of the matter and the heart of the matter is yours and my heart in spirit and in truth on the inside of his And then it's just genuine and then it's just authentic that I'm truly from my heart giving God the ultimate place in my life. My ultimate affection goes to him, not things, not the big I, not created things, that I'm honest and genuinely, authentically worshiping God, giving him the ultimate part of my heart. And this is a steady place for us to live from. This heart of worship that God, because what, what God is seeking such people to worship him. That this is actually how we should live our lives. And it's not about God is somehow insecure up in heaven and we, he needs us to tell him how amazing he is. No, it is for us to remind ourselves how amazing he is so that we would know it and we would experience all of who he is that we would give him this ultimate place in our lives. That is why he's seeking us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Man, this posture of worship is a place of salvation because we can come humbly to God, our creator, our Lord, and our savior, and we can say, God, I need all of who you are and what you have for me. And this is what the posture of worship does for us. It just sets us into this wonderful place where we can humbly receive all of who God is. It is a steady place to live from. Let's just pray today. God, we just love you today. God, we center our affections on you. God, we love you so much. We want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We don't want to get bogged down on other things of the exterior. But we genuinely, from the heart today, we want to give you the first place in our lives, in our time, in our resources, in all that we are doing in our lives. God, we just love you so much today. We want to live from this steady place of worship, this place that you have called us to, that you are seeking after us, Lord, to worship you so we just love you and we worship you today we give you all the glory God in our lives in Jesus name we pray amen hey if you are watching today and you have never taken a first step in your relationship with God you know this subject once again this idea of humbly worshiping God is all about accepting who God is to us and we invite you to take that first step today by making Jesus the Lord of your life, by calling God your Father. And to humbly say, God, I need what you have for me. I actually need to have a relationship with you. This is what you have called all of us to. So I'm gonna pray a prayer today and I invite you to pray along with me today if you feel like you've never done that for the very first time or if you feel distant from God today, you feel like you were close to him at one time, but you don't feel that anymore. I invite you to pray along with me to make this decision to follow Jesus. Let's just pray together. God, today I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he lived a sinless life and he died on a cross and you raised him from the dead so that I could know you, so that I could be in a relationship with you. So God, I come humbly today and I invite you to be at that first place, at that ultimate place of my affection. God, I call you my Lord. God, I call you my Father today. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after you. I thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you are watching one of our live broadcasts right now and you prayed that prayer for the very first time, there's a spot there where you can indicate. um, There's a button you can click to let us know that you prayed that prayer for the very first time. And also we would love to follow up with you if you would also request prayer there. We would love to send you some information. And just to connect with you a little bit more, uh, let you know uh, when we might be having physical services again, or maybe if you're living in another area away from Mississauga, we can maybe let you know about another church to attend when physical services open back up. But we are super glad that you made that choice today. Thanks for tuning in.